In this episode of Man vs. Marriage, this is something you don't want to miss. It's Listener Topics. Yeah! The podcast. How good do you want your life to be? It's truly about becoming the best version of yourself that's possible. Man versus Marriage. Welcome back to another episode of Man versus Marriage. It is I, that bad mofo in the house for show, the cute dog in the Moran family studio with my lovely wife, Jeannie Moran. Why are you looking at me that way? Oh, nothing. Just your intro. Hi, babe. You know, that's almost as bad as you saying, okay, okay. All right, here we go. Kay. <laughs> now you're looking at me funny. <laughs> you're welcome. All right, here we go. We're going to get started. Before we do, get out a pen. Get out a piece of paper if you're driving a car. Hit the brakes. Stop in the middle of the road. Just kidding. Uh, remember the email addresses that we've given you. There are those who take advantage of those. It's Jeannie, J-E-A-N-N-E, at MVSMpodcast.com. Or Quincy, Q-U-I-N-C-Y at mvsmpodcast.com. That's M-V-S-M, like man versus marriage. There you go. All right, today we have some listener topics, and I love to be prepared. I love to have an outline. I love to have things written down and in order so that I can get on this microphone and I can give you the one, two, three, four about what it is, how we've done it, and then you can take that list and you can move forward with it. Um, maybe that comes from my own weird sadistic personality or being a coach or you know being a manager of people or a leader, whatever it is. All I know is that's the way I like to do it. And I did not do that today. Because in this episode and a few coming up, we're going to have an open discussion about some listener topics. And what I want to do is have Jeannie and I work through these with our own thoughts, unscripted, so you hear how we think, how we talk, how we go through these, if we agree, if we disagree, whatever that is. And hopefully you can take that as a lesson in how to sit and talk with you and your spouse. Would you agree with that? Sure. Yeah, so whatever whatever we are going to say here, um, we're just going to give our thoughts and opinions. And as we get started, if this is your topic or this is your email or something that you send in, either now or in the future, understand as we talk through this, I don't want you to feel like we're talking down to you or we're talking down about your situation. We're going to talk through it. So it's never from our experience. Yeah, from our experience. So it's never like a situation where I, I always tell you to toughen up anyway. But in this case, we're not going to talk crap or we're not going to intentionally talk down to or disparage your situation. We're going to give our thoughts about what we think is kind of going on here um, based on the limited information we have in hopes that we can help you move forward and look neither one of us have a phd we've had plenty of phds pretty hard days i just made that mm -hmm. up in the moment um but what we do have is all this experience 
and we had 10 years of difficulty in experience uh, where we were kind of drifting apart and life was really kicking us in the balls. And then we've had, you know, 12 going on 13 years of at least we're rowing in the same direction. We still get kicked in the balls, but yeah. we know how to navigate it now. A little easier. Sometimes we got to take a step back and say, wait a minute, we're not doing what we know we should do. Oftentimes when we're trying to plan for the show, we go, oh, wait. Crap, yeah. we missed that again, didn't we? So that's it's kind of therapy uh, for us at the same time. Okay, we're a little over four minutes in and we haven't given you anything, so let's get down to business. Um, this is an email that came in, and uh, here's topic number one, a couple of bullet points. Number one. How do I, how do I do the following? How do I do things uh, with intent? How do I do them meaningfully and have it resonate with my wife? Um, I'm just going to get them all out on the table here. How do I make her feel heard? Uh, How do I make her feel valued? How do I make her feel like her voice really does matter, like it's not going in one ear and out the other. So that's what we're going to take the next 30 minutes to discuss each one of these topics openly. And the goal is going to be to discuss these, maybe make some notes or some bullet points or have some thoughts. And then the episode after this, we'll kind of repackage it to give you a place to start if you're struggling in any of these areas. With that being said, how do I do things uh, with intent and meaningfully and have it resonate with my wife? Okay, just the way I'm, uh, I'm looking at that, and I'll go back to the email just to make sure that, that I've got it right. Um, and the good thing is is that our listeners, this particular one in particular, this one in particular, which many of them have as they have uh, sent emails in is they are always asking for your perspective, which is great, which is a great reason that you're on the show. Um, I thought it was because I was cute and you just like to stare at my face. Well, I, that's a bonus for me, but most of these <laughs> we're not doing, we're still working out the video thing. So how <laughs> do I do things with intent and meaningfully and have it resonate with my wife? What does that look like? I mean, depends on the person. I it does it does. Um, I mean, for me, it was. Um, I always felt like I was on the back burner. I because of all of the things you were chasing, trying to make a, an income, trying to support us, trying to find a way to make sure that we could afford everything. Because one of my other hangups was we we were you know, poor at the time. We just weren't making it. We were barely squeaking by and it was hard for me. Yeah. You know, and of course we had a bunch of kids. So I was always looking for how do we keep them in what they need without breaking us. And I don't have the breaks that you have when it comes to finances. So um, I understand now why you were doing those things. But at the time it always felt like I was on the back burner because we were trying to you were out chasing the next thing to take care of us, to do best by us. And what we really needed was you home. What I needed was the support physically at home because it was, um, 
a lot of little people, very demanding little people, you know, when they're small like that, they require more than just a little bit of attention. Mm-hmm. And um, we didn't know at the time when we were starting out and we started having kids that we were going to have the issues that we had. And that just took, I took it on as my own responsibility, I guess, because I'm the mom. But what I needed most was to know that I was important, that I was still number one, even though we had all these other things going on. So you, after working it out with Rita and learning more about each other and what it was that we needed, you started this thing where you come home and I get the first kiss and the first hug, period. Mm-hmm. And it, at first it was a game. The kids used to try and rush to you to get, they still do, and they're punks, but they still try now to go in and sneak in before you get to me. But um, it made me feel important because you put me first. It just solidified that I was important. Um, it's It's little stuff. Coming home and, or even texting me during the day and saying, when I come home, go take your bath. I'll take care of the kids. I'll finish getting dinner ready, whatever it was to take something off my plate. It was allowing me to, I guess, take care of myself or do something for myself rather than putting me last. Yeah. And there was, there was a lot going on and there was a lot that happened from first like from our first uh, counseling session up to those moments where that crap kind of sunk in. Our because, very first one was not Rita, and it was not well. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm saying I'm saying specifically with Rita. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you know the hard thing here, the hard thing as I read this because I don't I don't know exactly what the details are, which I did reach out and request you know some some context if you will. But mm-hmm. uh, kudos to this guy. He's, this guy is working his tail off. And even though it may feel like it's kind of counterproductive, here's why it's not. Here, let me give you a little background on what Jeannie's talking about. I was out trying to make the next big thing happen. I was out trying to feel like... Valued. I was trying to find value somewhere. That's a good way to put it. So I was out seeking for something. What I thought I was doing was trying to meet the need because whenever we would get down to the arguments, at that time, Jeannie was taking care of the money herself. When the arguments would come in, it was about money. It was about debt. It was about what we didn't have. And her fear of lack or not being able to take care of the kids or maybe not even be able to take care of herself, That those things that she said, when she would say them, we don't have, we don't have, we don't have, What I was hearing was, this is your fault because you're the provider. You're the one working outside of the home. You're not doing enough. And that kind of came up when that, I think that stuck on me because when, you know, before we got married, you had had that conversation with a mutual friend of ours. And it was posed to me that you didn't feel like I was doing enough to fund our wedding, which essentially I was working any money that wasn't going to like electricity or rent was essentially going towards the wedding um and i was eating at his house so i wasn't really spending money on food and you know you had concerns you went to him that was his take on it is that i wasn't doing enough that's when i was like okay well i'm already working this amount of time now i'll just go get a job delivering pizzas um so that i could do more 
I don't think you were even working at the time. Um, yes, I was. Before we got married, yes, I was. Okay. Well, this was <coughs> this was in between. I worked up until uh, I was working up until we got married. When we we first started dating, I wasn't working, and then I was working. Um, after we got back, we were engaged. I got a job right after I got back, and I was working right up until um, we decided we wanted to have Hunter. So with that being said, um, that is kind of where that hook got lodged in me of, for some reason, as hard as I'm working, you didn't feel like I was doing enough. This was his take. I was going to say, I think that's kind of where we screwed up, though, too, because that was someone else's take on what I was upset about and... Absolutely. Knowing now what we we know, I don't think that um, what he heard or what he assessed was exactly what I was talking about. But that's okay. I get where you're going from. Maybe maybe it was in good faith on his part. But <laughs> we it should was have just talked to each other rather than the third. Party. Correct. Correct. Anyway, that being said, anytime she was vocalizing her worry, fear, or concern about what we didn't have, I took that as a straight shot at me that I was not good enough and that I could not provide for our family. So as I'm, I'm working, then I'm coaching football because ultimately we thought that might lead to college football coaching, which would pay a lot more money than I was Mm. making. Then, um, I tried to start, uh, a shirt business, like a clothing line, uh, took a lot of money to do that. Um, you know, before, before the kids or during when the kids were, I was doing this radio show, uh, which Jeannie was not necessarily pleased about. Um, and then I was trying to do, uh, this acting company, just all kinds of things I was trying to do, um, a, in order to feel valuable, like I matter to somebody, I was out there chasing it. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't realize that that need wasn't being met at home. So I was out trying to prove something. I was out trying to prove it. Um, And then B, I was working hard in all these different areas to try and prove my worth and that I was working hard and to bring more finances into the home, what I thought would bring more finances into the home. So it would like put out these fires of fear that Jeannie had that we were lacking. Um and those were all the wrong approaches. We should have been talking about these things um, because my actions to her were saying, you're not a priority, when in reality, my actions were trying to say, look, you are a priority, and this is what I'm trying to do to help you. Mm-hmm. And they were counterproductive with each other. Mm-hmm. And it caused <clears throat> it caused slow stacking resentment and we had to come to terms with that so for you know the question is how do i how do i do these things with intent i think it's like you know maybe say i'm doing this with pure motivation maybe to repackage that and how do i make these things meaningful what these actions I'm doing, these words I'm saying, how do I make them meaningful uh, and have it resonate with my wife? And that, I mean, that's a good question I give to you because there were some breaking points for us during this early part that we we desperately needed to happen. 
So how 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 can you do things um, and make them resonate? Or you know, there's just keep doing them. It's it's not going to be a one and done, and someone else is just going to accept that you've changed and you've made, you know, you're doing something different. There's if there is a mistrust, if there is a hurt, if there is a resentment, if there is a disappointment, the person that you're trying to do these things for, they're going to look at you through the filter of, I'm waiting for you to fail. And this is all great, but it's not going to last. Yeah. Because you've set that pattern. Understand, we didn't come into this and think, okay, we're going to take Rita's advice and it's going to change overnight or it's going to change in a couple of weeks. This took us years of counseling and working together. I mean, we were with Rita for, what, three years? Yeah. At least. And I was with her for a year by myself. So it's not something that you're just going to, I'm doing these things now, so it's going to matter. It it took, between Quincy and I, for both of us to do small things repetitively until it became a habit. This is something that I have to do because I feel it's important that I do it and I see the response that I get from you. And you might get a crap response in the beginning of, okay, what's your intention? What do you want? Understand if there is a hurt or a disappointment or a resentment, any of these things that are harboring, until that is resolved and discussed and laid on the table, you're going to be seen through that. Your job is not to make the person see you differently. Your job is to do what you're going to do and allow them to either accept it or not. You can't take responsibility for the filters that other people see you through. Yeah, I, I'm, trying to, I'm, I'm trying to see because I understand the concept of the filter. I understand that. It took me a long time. When, when you quit football... It took me a long time because I was waiting for someone to come up and I knew exactly who I was waiting for too, to come up with something else. I mean, this, this is the coaches you worked with approached me because I made you quit. That was the consensus is I made you quit. I didn't make you do anything. I broke down. I was in a losing battle for myself and my sanity. Mm -hmm. It wasn't that I forced Quincy to quit. It was, I needed you. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't do this by myself anymore. Right. But to the outside person, I was forcing you to do something, even though this was your dream or this was something you wanted to do. And I was, I was putting a hardship on you for myself. You're going to get that. If there are outside voices, you're going to get that. I got approached by three different coaches in various locations from church to barbecues to coming to our house when you were working to talk to me to say, hey, we need him. Can you, you know, make it for a little while longer? No, I can't. And at that point, it took you stepping in and confronting all three of them to say, my wife is the priority. My wife came to me and said she needs me and we've decided we're first home team has always got to be first. That was one of the deciding points for us where things started to shift because you didn't just choose me to me. You chose me to those who were trying to get you back out there to do whatever. That was a big thing for me. Um, Stepping back from relationships that we knew were causing friction between us. 
that was huge because you chose me. And it's not, it's not something that changed overnight. Like I say, it was something that we gradually started when we started having these conversations and openly communicating about things that were a resentment or hurt or something. It was, we both started opening our eyes to other influences or past hurts or things that came up going, wow, you know what? Maybe we need to take a step back from other things or other people and we need to just focus in on us and our family. And that's where a lot of stuff shifted. I mean, San Diego was the the shift in everything because I had still been waiting for you to leave. Yeah. And San Diego was the deciding point where I realized he's not going anywhere. He's actually in this and you chose me. Yeah. It it didn't resonate until that point. But that's the that that was the deciding factor was the conversation and the things that came up that weekend. I mean, we had a very open, hard conversation that weekend. Yeah. And that was that was the deciding factor for me was okay, all these little things that you and we had been doing this for over a year at that point. Yeah. But it was all those little things that you were doing. That was the moment that everything just clicked. And I said, okay, this is this is who he is now. He's he's made this decision. He's not going back to what we had. We're moving forward. That's what removed the filter for me. Well, let me cut you off there real quick. And thank you for that explanation. Um, what I realized is when I changed, you didn't change. No, I didn't. Because I didn't expect it to stay. Right. And that's okay in a sense. Um, it's okay in a sense because that that moment, I that moment is burned in my mind, and I think it will be forever. Where you are sitting there and you're bawling, just crying. You know, I need you. We need you. And my first thought, you know, there was, you know. Like I've said before, it's like, well, I made a commitment to those boys. And that's the moment that things shifted in me. It's like I was taken out of the frame of the picture and set outside to look at it and say, wait a minute. My first commitment ultimately is to this woman and to these children and what I saw growing up, you know, when when my dad got converted, he did what his dad did, was, which was the church went first. Mm-hmm. You know, and I walked away from being a football coach, which was a lifelong dream of mine. And I, lo- I walked away from being a pastor, which was what I thought I had to be. All these things that I, that maybe the things that I thought I had to do to, to have meaning. When what was most meaningful and what would have produced the most gratification is to be present for my family. But like I say, just because I changed in that moment, I shifted, you didn't. No, I kept my guard up because I didn't know if this was going to stay. Yeah. And so you were, you continued to protect yourself, which I had, there is something to building credibility, but the hard part is, is that at some point, you decided to let go and to believe me and essentially not punish me for my past behaviors because I was making 
the effort to change. Well, and at the time, we kept the communication open where, and, and I apologized a lot for, I. this is not my intention. I'm not trying to punish you. I'm not trying to hold things against you. But understand, this is the pattern that was built. And it's going to mm-hmm. take a while for me to accept that the pattern has changed. Absolutely. And yeah. That that's where all this came in with Rita was we needed to give each other permission to say, okay, Quincy's making these changes. Now, at some point, I have to make changes. At the time, I was working on myself. I wasn't even trying to change the marriage. You were focusing on the marriage. I had to focus on me because I was in such a depression and lost so much of myself. I was struggling just to get through a day to day. So Rita was working with me, excuse me, to help me get back on track because I had just kind of let other people take over and I wasn't really present in what was going on at home because there was so much I didn't want to be. Yeah. I just, it was overwhelming and I just went into my shell. So as you were trying to do these things, I'm trying to come back out of my shell, but it, it takes both of us admitting and allowing and giving permission to say, you're changing from where you're at. I'm changing from where I'm at. We're going to have to meet in the middle, but you also have to give each other grace to go through it because this isn't something that you just wake up one morning and, okay, we're going to make a change. It's not like you in a diet where you can just say, I'm cutting out sugar today and you can go cold turkey and quit sugar. I have yet to do this. Yeah. And, it takes me a little bit longer to do things. Depending on your spouse, maybe you're the one who changes fast and can just decide, I'm not doing this anymore, and you're done. Not everyone works that way. Yeah. Well, you know. and I agree. And so there's like part of this is I don't know what has happened. Um, I don't know exactly what's happened to make, uh, you know, your wife or his wife feel like what what he does has ill intent or that it's not meaningful or maybe that it's just empty words. It might just be an expectation that she has because of past behavior. She's expecting that they're okay. Think of it this way. We don't know the background situation. So if we go back and we use you and I as an example, if you've done things in the past and the pattern is you do something nice for me and then the expectation is I'm going to do something for you or now you can ask me for something and my my likelihood of saying yes is higher. You get what I'm saying? It's like a barter. That's a you, quid pro quo. You, I understand that. You get, but, but that's what I'm saying is if that is the mindset of a person, then when you do something nice, that's the mindset of the person. And until that changes, until they realize that you're not doing this to get anything, you're just doing it because you want to do it, you can't change that for someone else. They have to change it themselves. We don't know what the expectation is behind his wife or what she's thinking or what their past is. So that's something that I would suggest is sit down and have a conversation. What is it that I've done or what is it that you expect of me? Why why do you constantly expect that I'm doing something with a malintent? Because there's a hurt there. There is a resentment. There is something there yeah. that hasn't yet been uncovered. And until you get to the place where you can have a hard talk and actually say, okay, look, dude, I resent you for this because 
maybe you did something and she didn't get to do something that she wanted to do. Or maybe you said something and it's such a hard hit that she never let it go. I don't know. You and I went through our own things, our resentments and our hurts. I mean, I carried guilt that I thought you held towards me and it wasn't even you. It was me. Yeah. Those things happen and we don't realize it because we're in it. And when you're in it and life is going on and things just keep hitting you and hitting you and hitting you, you don't realize that you've just buried everything. Rita used to call it my iceberg. I basically built ice around my problem. And I built it so big that when you were coming at me, you could see the tip of the iceberg and I would I had no problem talking about that. But when you went underwater and went after the heart of things, yeah, you can't go there. Yeah. Until I was ready to actually explore it and say, okay, now I'm ready to let go of this. But that's that's the conversation that has to happen is there's got to be, in my thinking, there's something there that was said or done, be it a year ago, 10 years ago, I don't know. But there is something there that is festered and hidden. And until you or your spouse, whoever's holding it, comes to terms with, I'm ready to release this. And now we can talk about it and get it on the table and let it go you're going to have a hell of a time fighting this battle because you're, I'm not going to say stop, keep fighting because I guarantee you at some point you will crack the ice. Yeah. But both parties have to be willing to expose whatever's under there. Well, I think also as our counseling, you know, with coach Rita went on, I'm the kind of person that if something makes sense and I see it, I make the change now. Mm -hmm. It's like, Oh, well, I'm going to adapt that and I'm I'm going to change. I have changed. And you're not that way. No, you know? I have to I have to think it through. Well, I have to process you, it. You what I'm saying is up until that time, I don't know that you believed I had the capacity to just change because I remember Rita was there and it's like, well, you know, in my knucklehead way, it's like, well, here's what I said and this is now how I look at it. So this is how I think. And she comes to you and she's like, Jeannie, do you hear that? And you're like, you're like, yeah, but ABC, she goes, no, he changed. He has changed when he said he's doing this. This is what's done. And he's changed. Now you're not changing. So I don't know. I can't remember exactly what it was about. I think it was about our our friend, our mutual friend at the time that we were having trouble with. Mm -hmm. And it was like, oh, well, I see this for what it is now, so I'm changing it. Here's a boundary. It's thus far and no more. And I know just because of my actions in the past, you had reservations about what it was actually going to be. Well, yeah, that person had a, a tendency to... In past years, you and I would make a decision on something and then that person would come in and nudge you about something else and then whatever decision we made would just disappear. Yeah. And it was like, well, so-and-so said this would be a better idea, so we're going to go with this. And it would frustrate the crap out of me because I wasn't chosen. I yeah. was on the back burner again. So when all this came around, that's what I was holding out on until the day that they crossed a boundary and you were the one to put your foot down like okay so you did choose me and things are different yeah but it took that for me to see it 
sadly. <laughs> well, the I guess the point the point I'm making here overall is a I changed. You did not change in that moment, nor should you have, because there there was some credibility that I needed to regain mm-hmm. relative to that. But at some point, you had to accept my efforts as being authentic, begin to release some of that resentment or that hurt or those wounds, and start taking my actions as credible Mm -hmm. and meaningful. So I initiated the change. I had to put the work in. I had to do what was right. I had to do my part. But there was a part for you to do as well Mm -hmm. is kind of what I'm looking at. So how do I make her feel heard? Hey, it's, this is going over 30 minutes. We just need to do it. It just needs to be done. So how do you, how do I make her feel heard? Um, I guess my first question is why doesn't, what does she not feel heard about? Yeah, there, there's a couple of things to unpack on that. Um, is it that she's not feeling heard or is it that she's still seeing what you're doing is not what she wants, which tells me there's an expectation that's not being spoken. If, if you're doing something and I don't feel heard in the situation or I feel like you're not listening to me, I have permission to say that to you and tell you, okay, wait, what are you hearing? Mm-hmm. Because what you're telling me is that you're not hearing what I'm saying to you. And I need to know what you're hearing. And then we rehash the conversation again. But if I don't feel heard, I shut down. That's my normal response is just to shut down and pull back. But are you doing things that have been said, when you do this, I feel like you're not listening to me. If you're continuing to do whatever that thing is, you are basically telling her, I'm not listening to you. Like nullifying her. Exactly. So her voice. If it's a repeat pattern of something that she's already told you, when you do this, I feel like you're not listening to me. Like you're just doing your own thing and you don't care what I just told you. Then that's on you for not stopping to change the pattern of what you're doing. However, if there is an unspoken expectation of you to do something and you don't know it, or there's a miscommunication, and y'all don't figure it out. You know, if if I'm supposed to go somewhere, and I'm expecting you to come home so that I can go, and you're going to take over watching Hunter and Kirsten, okay? That's my thing that I'm supposed to be doing. But you, for whatever reason, you don't show up, or you come home and you think, oh, wait, I'm going to go do this real quick, and it puts me off what I'm supposed to be doing, That's my thing. It's my responsibility to go to you and say, hey, hold up. You said you would do this for me. I need to go take care of my stuff. That's on me because I didn't go to you and say, hold on, you made a commitment to this. It's not for me to stand there and go, oh, well, I guess my shit doesn't matter because you're going to go do what you're going to do anyway. And you forgot that you were supposed to do something for me. That's me harboring something without discussing it. That's my fault. And that's because I didn't come out and say, 
I didn't take the initiative to point out to you, this is what we're trying to fix. This is why I feel this way because you said you would do this and then you didn't show up on time or you didn't come when, when you were supposed to or maybe there was a miscommunication between the two of us and you thought I waved you off the situation and you didn't come and talk to me and I just decided you walked away so I didn't come talk to you. Both parties are at fault in this because there's an unspoken expectation there. But if I made the arrangement with you and I'm the one that has something to do and you don't show up, I'm calling you. I'm chasing you down. Where are you? You made this commitment to me. If that's not happening, then yeah, that's where the I'm not being heard is coming from. You're not being heard because you're not communicating. Well, I, I would do that. I'm guilty of things like that, um, of doing things of this nature where it's like, okay, I need you to do this. Or are you going to do this? Yes. Okay. Now, then I get to the point where it's like, well, why should I have to remind you? Why am I not important enough? So I'll sit there and suffer and, and stew and get mad and just be ready to go, well, it's obvious this didn't matter to you. You know, that's what I'm doing inside. <laughs> Maps and books, yep. <laughs> when uh, in reality, it should be, it, it's like, almost like with uh, our sex situation, where it's like, you know, we're both intent on having sex tonight. And Kirsten would just have a terrible night and wouldn't go to sleep. And it would be hours, like in the a.m. And I'm laying there just because... I'm like, I feel, A, I feel terrible for you, and B, I'm just freaking holding out hope that we're going to connect. <laughs> and then you get in the bed and roll over and go to sleep, and you don't even say anything to me. Yeah. Like, I'm not even a priority. And it's like, why does this matter? Why don't I matter? So I'm assuming a ton of things, mm-hmm. and you're just exhausted going to bed. So we And it of, wasn't my intent to ignore you or to push it off. I just assumed... It's, you know, three o'clock in the freaking morning. We're both exhausted. We're going to sleep. Yeah. And really, A, we're both assuming the worst about each other. And B, you know, we kind of reestablish how we communicate about that and say, hey, rain check. At least just acknowledging. But that's the difference. That That's the difference is we've established that communication has to happen so that we don't veer off and go into that place where, like... I use the example, I take baths and Quincy be watching TV and I'll say, okay, well, when I'm done, I'll come sit with you or whatever. And then I would sit in the bath for an hour, hour and a half, not even thinking about it. I'm reading a book, doing my thing, not even thinking about it. And you're in here getting pissed because why are you not done yet? Why are you not coming? Are you going to spend time with me? It got to the point where it was like, we would have to tell each other, Quincy would have to tell me, can you set a 30 minute timer so that we can sit and relax together? Or, you know, if I say, hey, I'm going to go upstairs and take a bath, he'll say, okay, well, I'm going to come up in 30 minutes. It's not rude to let somebody know I have an expectation. In 30 minutes, I want us to spend some time together. It's a polite way of doing it. And yeah, it sounds kind of childish. In the beginning, I was like, oh my God, I have to have a timer for a bath. But understanding that this was something that meant something to you made it a priority for me. Yeah, and... I, it's like as a as a person who wants to feel like a priority, you know, I I want to feel like you know I'm being prioritized as well. Exactly. You know, and it's like 
Well, that that's where I believe this will truly help in all these situations here, whether it's intent and feeling in, in meaningful and resonating. It's you got to have an actions conversation. You have to have an expectation and a what does that look like? Yeah, it's like okay, when it's time to sit down for your weekly. Remember, in the beginning and for as long as it takes, you should be sitting together like once a week to have these hard talks. And if if it's a couple weeks in a row where the hard talks are like, Ugh, okay, maybe maybe take a week and and go do something together to that you enjoy. And then come back to the hard talks. But when you have these, it's like, okay, let's air our dirty laundry. Say whatever it is you need to say. I'm going to do my best not to take it personal. It's about me, but it's how you feel. I don't want to tell you how to feel. Okay, well, when you did X, Y, Z, this is how it made me feel. Is this what you meant to do? And it's like, well, no. That's not... That wasn't my intention at all. Mm-hmm. This is what I was trying to accomplish. Now in that moment, do y'all have enough trust with each other to believe that what is being said is true? And you need to be able to, it's imperative that you come to terms with where you're at in your relationship, where your trust level is. And if you don't trust that, you got to verbalize that too. Not in a, like an attacking way, but... One of the things that, you know, some of the things that I say to kind of take the sting out, or at least I'm really concerned about that, is if it's tough, it's like, hey, I've got heartburn over this. Or this is hard for me. It's hard for me to accept this. Or that's hard for me to take because. And you're getting, like, really vulnerable there. Mm-hmm. But when I was out running and chasing everything, trying to make a living um for this family if maybe if Jeannie would have said hey man you're gone all the time we need you this makes me feel like you don't care about us i would have said i do care about you i'm out doing everything i can to bring money in and if she comes back with well your time being here with us is way more valuable than any money you're going to bring. I'd rather struggle financially and have you right alongside me than what we have now. That would have changed me dramatically. It may not have cha- my habits may not have changed right away, but at least I would now ha- have the understanding to say, "Oh, I do matter here at home. She does want me here. It does matter if I'm here. It's not just me failing as a provider." My time and my attention, my love, my affection, you know, my time with the kids, that's more valuable to her than money. You know, and I would say, well, when you're complaining about the groceries or you're complaining about this or that, it makes me feel like you're saying I'm not good enough to provide for you. And, you know, where does that lead? I don't know. She's like, no, I'm just afraid of this. And then at least we're like connecting in the middle and establishing where we are. So if there's a rub or there's heartburn over something, maybe you don't wait till the once once time a week, but you come in and, and instead of assuming and attacking that person, maybe you come and you ask the question, hey, this action made me feel this way. Is that 
Is that what you meant to do? Things changed for me dramatically when I finally came to terms with Jeannie wasn't going to do something to hurt me on purpose. Mm-hmm. I watched the way she worked with other people. And if she, I don't, I don't even know how to say it, but it's like if she had to attack, she was going to attack. But I'm not other people. No. <laughs> so no. I had to, it was odd because it finally just sunk in one day. Dude, your wife is not, you know her heart now. She's not going to do something to hurt you. She's not going to treat you in such a way. She's not going to go out of her way to harm someone that she loves. She's not going to do it. And when that when that sunk in, that let me know that I could now be vulnerable mm-hmm. with you and say, "Hey, you know, we've talked we've had some crazy talks about sex, you know, and I'm I'm overweight and insecure about my body and we're talking about things and there are just times where I've been insecure about stuff and it's like but finally it's like you know what actually i trust her i know she's not going to do anything to hurt me on purpose so i need to say this and it like opened things up for a relationship so how do you make her feel heard you'll never make her feel heard i mean in a in the least complicated way possible there's that there's the action side of she's telling you something and you're saying okay it's almost like the the rudimentary walkthrough if you will the basics of okay you're saying something this is what i hear you say is that is that what you mean now there's the other part of when she's saying stuff and it's not a matter of you not hearing what she says why does she feel like her voice doesn't matter? Are you the source of that? Or is she dealing with insecurities mm-hmm. of her own? Yep. And those are mm-hmm. things that you have to establish. There are some things between Jeannie and I in our relationship that had nothing to do with me. You know, she had daddy issues. I know that's like dumb to say, but oh, she no, had. It's fair. She had some issues with her dad. I was daddy's girl, and if daddy said something or did something, those were the deepest wounds. Yeah, and as parents, you screw up, and those things happen. But there are things that are hiding under the surface that you don't come to until certain times in your life when you're looking for them. So you got to get down to, is this a rudimentary thing, or why does she feel, what is it that makes you feel like you don't hear me? Why don't you feel like I don't hear you? And it could be something where, you know, for me, there were moments where I felt like I was failing because we were, uh, when we had our 501c3 and we were helping families with autism and advocating and stuff, I could tell a parent, do this, do this, do this, or I could help them navigate through something, yet I couldn't get our daughter to sleep Mm -hmm. or I couldn't control her aggressiveness I could not do the things that these other parents the things they were going through I I had answers for we've already been there I knew how to do this but I didn't have answers for my own kids so I felt like I was failing because how can I give you advice when I can't even control my own but I was in a different place our child is different than others our situation is different than others no one is exactly the same but I felt insecure because 
I'm offering advice and I'm helping others, but I can't help myself. I can't even help my own kid. And a lot of that came back in our conversations because I was going through my own moment of, I'm not worthy of this. I'm not good enough for this. Why should anybody hear me when I can't do it myself? That's possible. You know, we're, we're all in different positions and going through different things. We all have our own insecurities. We have our own issues going on. But if you don't trust your spouse to lay those out, of all people that you have around you, if you can't trust your spouse and your partner, your, your best friend, the one that you say is your ride or die, if you can't trust that person to lay it all out there and say, this is what I'm dealing with. I don't know how to navigate it yet, so bear with me. If I'm getting snappy with you, if I'm if I'm not hearing you when you're telling me something, if I'm taking it wrong, you have my permission. Call me on this because the last thing I want is my own mess creating an issue for you and I. Yeah. And I I get I get that how you felt about that cuz I had some of that feeling too, but you can't underestimate being deeply and emotionally connected to a situation like we're going through it with with Kirsten and her situation. It doesn't like invalidate or nullify the experience that you have to give to others because it's a lot easier it's a lot easier in most cases to help people on the outside because you're not emotionally connected to that mm-hmm. situation. And that that emotional connection to the situation can become a barrier because you're emotionally attached. Mm -hmm. And if you feel like I need to be vindicated or I don't know, I don't know all the things to say. Sometimes you do. It is easier to help people outside of your situation. And then sometimes, you know, you need some additional help yourself. And there, that's that does, that's not a weakness. That's just saying. Yeah, it doesn't make you less than. It just means that you're human. You're going through something. Yeah. And I would definitely say, just as a caveat, limit the voices coming in about your marriage and your relationship. I'm not saying only listen to ours or just listen, you know. What keep I'm saying the positive. Is, that's, that's what we had to do was keep the positive. Any negatives that came in that could bring up something that was old or past or you know, well, you know, he used to do this, so don't expect that he's going to change. Those voices, I cut quickly. Yeah, parents, um, friends, I wouldn't talk to them about the problems in your marriage. I know that that happens in the movies, but <laughs> parents can hold resentment long after your spouse has already changed. So, I mean, if you're sharing stories, that's one thing, but that's just one of our personal deals. So, I mean, looking... Looking at that, you get you you have to ultimately come down to the idea. Like Coach Rita used to always say, "Have you given yourself permission for X, Y, Z?" Yep. Have you given your spouse permission? Does your spouse have permission to say or to do these things? If the answer is yes, then we you have to learn. It's imperative that you learn how to talk through these situations and communicate if you go about if you go about uh these things and just assume you know uh what your spouse is saying or assume you know what their intentions are either side whether it's him or her without asking the questions then chances are you have a blind spot and you're just you're just 
like you're assuming she or he feels a certain way. And so now you're going to treat them based on whatever that disappointment is or that unmet expectation. I mean, that's, that's where I come from on it. You know what they say about assuming. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see. I put a quick note here. Just so I was writing this down. Your heart, your heart and mission are in the right place. The fact is you won't make her do any of these things. Yeah, that's true. She's going to have to accept these things. She's going to have to choose it. She has to make a choice in spite of what the past says. If y'all are agreeing, this is your plan and what you want to do to move forward. Now, just because, bro, just because you change immediately doesn't mean she's going to. And that's understandable. But at the same time, she can't punish you over these things because it's going to be counterproductive to the mission. Allow that trust to build. And here's kind of the, the framework of it. It's like expectations to actions to trust to feedback will equal progress. So what does that mean? It's like you have to set expectations with each other. Here is what I need. Okay, well, what makes you feel that way? This is what makes me feel that way. And then it comes down to, okay, this is what I hear you saying. This, do I have it right? This, A, B, and C will make you feel like this. No, that's not what I'm saying. Okay, well, dumb it down for me. And then you get to that point, and now you understand it. And then, like Coach Rita has taught us in the past, when you get together for those weekly talks, how is your love tank? On these expectations, how do you feel? What are your frustrations? And the more you do that, not to attack each other to say, you made me feel this way. No, it's this made me feel this way. And it's like, oh, well, I suck because I did that and I actually meant to do it. Or I didn't even mean it that way. I apologize. What can I do to make it better? What can I do to make you feel better? Well, it's this is how this is what I need. And then you follow that path through. So you set the expectation and you put actions behind those expectations. And as you do that, as you put those actions behind those expectations, that will in turn build trust. It takes time to do that. Mm -hmm. And then you get more feedback. You get more feedback. Then you, you know what to expect. She knows what to expect. And then you begin to make progress. And that's reading like this first topic. Um, that's where I think we land on it. I mean, you, you know, I want to come back with a game plan that has a few bullet points of here's where I would start. These are the things I would establish. We have limited information, which is okay. We don't need, it's not like, there's a problem with us not having every single solitary detail because we, we understand there's three sides to each and every story. What you think happens, what she thinks happening, what and then happened. what has actually happened. So with that, what we're going to do is we're going to come back with a game plan episode um, and give you 
some line-by-line type things and see if it will help you and in like your wife setting these expectations. You and your spouse setting these expectations and then kind of moving through that so you can establish where are we? Where are we at? What do you think? Works for me. Very cool. Well, thank you very much for listening. Don't forget, don't forget, if you're buying beef, pork, chicken, etc., look for a local ranch. Look for a local ranch. You know what I need to do, honey? What an idiot. I need to get that website where I went and I found the local ranch, the Woody Ranch with Gloria and her family. I don't know why I haven't done that yet and put the link in the show notes. Anyway, buy local beef. Buy American beef. If you're in Brazil, buy Brazilian beef. If you're in Canada, buy Canadian beef. Whatever country you're in, support your local ranchers. Support them. Because here in America, I found out a few weeks ago, and if you've been listening to the show, that almost 85% of the beef we buy in the store is from a foreign country. It's not held to the same standard as American ranchers are. Therefore, our ranchers don't have people to sell their beef to. And those family legacies are going out of business. We can have an effect on that. Go buy local. No matter where you are, no matter what country you live in, support your local family farmer the best you can. Okay? You got to do it. I buy my stuff from Woody Ranch, my half of beef. And, man, I'm loving it. T-bones and uh, it's it's great. I love the meat. I love supporting family business. That's what we do. All right, guys, that's it. She's Jeannie. I'm Quincy. This is Man versus Marriage. The podcast. How good do you want your life to be? You gotta live on purpose for a purpose. It's truly about becoming the best version of yourself. It's possible. This is Man vs. Mary, the podcast.